Ah, yes. Welcome back to a very special episode of the B-Team Podcast. We're going to be doing it a little bit different today. Bernard is busy being the goat on social media, so I'm writing solo. So wherever you are and however you're listening, tuck yourself in for a 20-minute listen that I hope you enjoy. What a time it is to be alive. I never remember an off-season in rugby league this exciting, and it's because we've got the most exciting rugby league World Cup that I can remember. I am a proud Italian-Australian. My name is Adamo Raffaele De Negris. I am the son of a dad who came here when he was 20. My mum is first generation, but her parents, like my dad's parents, came here 40 years ago for a better life, and I'm grateful for that. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I understand why certain players, like your Samoan players, like your Tongan players, choose to represent their country. And I know the pride that it brings. I was never any good at any type of sport. I did make an under-16 Italian Harmony Cup team, which was for players that didn't make any type of rep team. I played about five minutes, but I did get some really nice gear. I also I also represented my school, Marston College Renwick, in C-grade rugby league in the front row about 30 kilos ago. Dumb, I wasn't always this trim. I was a bit chubby. Fun fact about that C-grade team, we actually made the grand final. Our B-grade team didn't. But what I'm trying to say, I digress. What I'm trying to say is I understand what it's like for these players to represent their heritage and what it's like to make your family so proud. Whenever I do anything on any type of screen, it always fills my grandparents my aunties, my uncles, my relatives back in Italy with so much joy and pride. So I can only imagine what it's like for these players pulling on a jersey and playing on a field. So when you have lemons, like Paul Kent, who's a scoop of vanilla ice cream, Paul Kent, Buzz Rothfield, you know, Aussies that really just don't get it, trying to bag these players, it cooks me. So I want to see more of this, and I'm happy that all these players are deciding to choose to represent their heritage, to represent their grandparents, their aunties, all these people that made great sacrifices to come to the best country in the world. It's the best Rugby League World Cup I can remember. The only shame is that it's on a shit times, 3.30, 5.30. But that's okay. Still great football. Let's have a little run through now of this Rugby League World Cup. I'm going to give you the teams to watch, not named Australia or New Zealand. But let's talk a quick about Australia, 13 debutants. It's the most inexperienced Australia side ever. It's still a gun team. You're Nathan Cleary, the best player on the planet. You give him, when you're handing debuts out to Harry Grant, you know the team is stacked. Jeremiah Nanai, can't wait to see what he can do. Campbell Graham, the only player in the team that hasn't played Origin. Love him. Another product of Marston College Randwick. And then you've got this New Zealand side who might be licking their lips, going, this could be the one where we finally break this Australia stronghold. Remember, New Zealand won it in 2008. I think this is their best chance to win it again. Can't wait to see what Dylan Brown, Joey Manu at fullback, Jerome Hughes. Woo! They got a stacked team. Brandon Smith at hooker. That is a complete spine. Forwards, great forward pack. The only thing for New Zealand is that if the draw, if they top their group and Australia tops their group, they're going to meet in the semis, which is great for the teams I'm going to talk about. So here they are, my... Teams to watch not named Australia and New Zealand. The obvious one is, of course, Samoa. Let's just have a look at this forward pack. Papali'i, Junior Paulo. The best prop one-two in the whole tournament. I, I don't see a better prop partnership than those two. Then you add to that, you've got Marty Tapao, Josh Aloye, Jaden Sua. Great forward pack. My only question mark would be the spine. Jerome Luai is an absolute beast. 
we know that. Joseph Suwali'i, I mean, we were just talking about him moving from wing to center. Now he's going to have to go to fullback. It's a big jump. We saw it when he had to fill in for the Roosters. He's got one gear, and it's a great gear. And it's run, run hard, tackle hard. But fullback, you know, it's a different it's a different kettle of fish. You know, I don't know if he has the ball playing yet. Maybe they'll go for Stephen Crichton. Could be a bit of a safer option. Put Suwali'i in at center. Then you've got the Penrith, basically two to five. Brian Toto, Isaac Tago, Taylor May. So you know they're going to score some meat pies. Anthony Milford. I think he could do a job next to Jerome Lua. I love Jerome Lua. I think he's one of the most overhated players in the comp. He's gonna, you're gonna see him do his best stuff this tournament. Feimanu Brown at hooker. I don't know that. If I'm just, if I'm comparing them to your New Zealand and Australia, that's where I'd say their weakness is. But they are in a group, great group, with England, France, and Greece. Shout out to the to the Greeks. It's gonna be a tough one for them. But a couple of good little players in there. Mamazoulis from South, loved him when he came on against the Roosters. Lockie Elias, of course. Shout out to another Marcelin product, Johnny Mitzias, probably playing on the wing. But it's going to be tough for them. Don't sleep on the French. They've got two teams now in the Super League. So they've got Super League experience. They've got Trent Robinson on that coaching staff. They should have a crack this tournament. But a team I'm really hot on, and I think people are sleeping on, the home team, England. Great forward pack. One thing you know with English teams, they've always got, they always produce good forwards. We see it when their forwards come over here. They've got Johnny Bateman, Elliot Whitehead, all those Super League forwards. But then you add Victor Radley in the mix, brings that intensity, aggression that you know Big Vic has. Perfect for a game when you're coming up against Samoa, who you know that's going to be a physical game. But one thing this England side has, which maybe they haven't had in the past, tries. Herbie Farmworth, Dom Young, between them scored 28 NRL tries last season. You chuck in... Tommy Matkinson, try-scoring freak from the Super League. So they've got a good team. Like Samoa, i just say, what's their weakness? I'd have to say probably the halves. They've got Georgie Williams there. In the past, they relied on like a Gareth Widdup. It was a great halves partnership. They don't have him anymore. So Georgie, who I liked at Canberra, is going to be steering the ship. But I have upset. I have the hosts, England, topping that group. So I have them going England, Samoa, France, and Greece in that order. Another team to watch. Samoa's getting all the headlines. But you can't sleep on this Tonga side. Let me just read out some, their forwards. Adam Fenulbay, Keon, Olakawatu, Takiaho, Tavita Totola, Talmalolo, Fodawaka, David Fafita, and Felice Kafusi. I know I'm probably leaving out some more. That is a ridiculous forward pack. Then they've got try scorers as well. They've got Daniel Tupo, Tolu Kola, Sifatalakai. Problem, just like it's been, it's been a bit of a recurring theme. The halves. Junior Amon, I like. Can he steer them to a World Cup? I don't know. Isaiah Katoa, he's just moved to the Dolphins, played for the Penrith New South Wales Cup team. Lack of hearts. Seems to be a bit of a consistent theme with these teams to watch, but do not sleep on Tonga, who, like Australia, like, sorry, Samoa and England, do not end up on Australia's side of the draw if they top their group. Their group is PNG, Wales, and the Cook Islands. I have Tonga topping that group, PSG coming second. Wales, and the Cook Islands. Then you've got Group B, Australia, Fiji, Scotland, and Italy. I think that's pretty straightforward. Australia will top it. I'd love to see the Azzurri do something. I don't think they will, unfortunately. I just missed out on selection for that one. But I'm going to go Fiji second, Scotland third, Italy fourth, and then in Group C, New Zealand, Lebanon, Ireland, Jamaica. That is my order. Don't sleep on this Lebanese side. Jacob Kraus is going to be playing fullback. Dogs fans, keep an eye on this. Who knows? He puts a clinic on here. Maybe Gus will be watching. And Cameron Seraldo moves him into fullback. And then you've got Adam Dewey and Mitch Moses. It's a great spine. It is an underrated spine. 
Joshy Mansour there. They've got plenty of New South Wales Cup. Bernard was in camp. He's on standby, apparently. So we don't wish injuries on anyone. But if someone goes down, our man could be in. Lack of forwards. Lack of lots of NRL talent, like a lot of these fringe teams are. Keep an eye on Lebanon. I have them. A little bit of an upset going through there. So, yeah, as I said before, New Zealand and Australia would meet in the semifinals. Samoa, Tonga, England, all on the other side of the draw, which is amazing for a neutral. Who do I see beating Australia? I mean, if New Zealand were to knock them over in that semifinal, then they're definitely the team to beat. I think that the winner of that probably wins the World Cup. And then on the other side of the draw, I have England going on a run. I know everyone's hot on Samoa and Tonga, and rightfully so. They've got gun teams. I think England at home, lots of players that play in the Super League, that have played in the NRL. Victor Radley's a huge in. Can't wait to see him in that team. But I have them making the final. I think that's paying around the $3 mark. So I'm not doing a long shot segment today, but if you wanted to get on something, I would get on that. While we're on the topic of NRL offseason, I was thinking to myself, I was looking at the AFL. Great sport. They've got a trade period. Big move. Brody Grundy going to Melbourne. It's a massive, massive move. And it got me thinking, how can we make NRL offseason better? I love American sports. And one thing I like about them is a season might only go for a few months. You've got eight months to fill, especially in the NFL. But there's just so many little periods that as fans, you get excited. You know, you've got the trade period. Then you've got the draft period. You've got all these fans. You're excited year round, even when football isn't on. Now, I'm not saying we can have a draft. It'd be way too hard. We don't have a direct feeder system from high schools to colleges or universities to first grade. It could never happen in the NRL. But one thing that can happen, it's a very easy fix. We need to scrap this rubbish. Players can sign, like Brandon Smith, can sign for a team a year before they move. Then they have to play a whole year with that team before moving. Why don't we just have this? We scrap that. You play, there's all that speculation, like there is in other sports, like there is in football, the round ball game. You know, a player will play out their contract. Then there's that buzz in the offseason. Who will they sign for next season? Ra 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 ra. Why don't we just have this? None of this, you're free to negotiate November 1st, but then you still have to play a whole nother season. That's rubbish. Let's just have a trade period. So once the season is over, your contract is done. I said hypothetically to myself today, let's do it two weeks after the season ends. So not the Monday after the grand final, let's say the Monday after. So then you get that buzz, that week trade period. Then you also give them enough times once they make the trades for them to slot into preseason because a lot of teams do their preseason in November now. Then they have a little break before Christmas. Imagine the buzz playing that whole season. You got that speculation. Gosh, would he stay? Would Brandon Smith stay? Will Cameron Munster stay? Blah, 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 blah. Then once the season ends... You know, heartbreak if your team's in the grand final or ecstasy if your team's won it or if your team's nowhere near it, you're thinking about that trade period, trade period, trade period. Let's say for argument's sake, it's October the 17th. You know the second October 17th starts, boom, it is a frenzy. You have player drama. You have all these NRL, all the NRL shows will get a spike in viewership again. The buzz in the NRL offseason would be amazing. NRL is, I honestly believe, the best sport on planet Earth, if you're talking just purely about the sport itself. We've got the best code. However, we've got the worst probably public perception out of any code in Australia. It's also covered the worst. I'm 25 years old. A lot of kids my age, we don't relate to Buzz Rothfield. We don't relate to Paul Kent. We don't relate to any. It's just journos and ex-players. Where are the creators? Where's Bernard? Bernard even played, so he knows what he's talking about. I want to see him on a panel. You, I look around. I just I see... I just see a lack of connection with the youth and who covers our sport. So that's one way we can fix it. And another way, we've got to fix it. 
Make the off-season more exciting. The Rugby League World Cup is great, but it doesn't happen every single year. We need a trade period or a signing period, whatever you want to call it. That is how I would fix the National Rugby League in the off-season because the season itself is great. But I'm going to shift now to the NFL. There's only been three people that have ever taken a ring off Tom Brady. One of them is Eli Manning. The other one is Nick Foles. Now you can add his soon-to-be ex-wife, Giselle, in there as well. They're going through a divorce. And you know what I think that means, Producer Shabs? I think that means that Tom Brady is about to lose a ring to gain a ring. Ring number eight is en route. Let's just get into the mind of Tom Brady, the goat behavior that he displayed. He was ready to retire. He was done. He then sat there, probably in his multi-million dollar mansion in Florida, and he watched the NFC, and he just saw that the NFC is wide open. He spent two weeks with his kids, and he thought, stuff this. I'm going insane. I don't want to, I'm not ready to jump on a, on a panel of Fox yet. I want to ring, win ring number eight. So he suited up and went back out there. He's back. He said, I'm going to run it back for one more. Only thing is, he didn't tell his missus. Now, let me just tell you, I haven't been married for nearly as long as Tom Brady, but when you don't tell your missus about something like that, you're in trouble. Giselle was furious. Now, anyone that doesn't know Giselle, she's a, she was the supermodel when they met. You could probably even argue that maybe financially, she was bigger than Tom Brady. She was a multi... We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars she, Giselle used to pull in. Tom Brady said, Look, babe, uh, I'm done. I've won seven rings. I'm the GOAT. I've got nothing else to prove. It's, it's time. You know, I know I've missed Christmases, Thanksgivings, birthdays, but I'm here now. If you want to pursue something, because apparently she put her career on hold to, to be a mother, as so many do, the unsung heroes. But then Tom just sat there and he's like, Nah, I've got, I got, got to win ring number eight. She came out of retirement, didn't tell Giselle, she was furious. Then remember in the off-season, he had that little two-week period where he, for personal reasons, had to pull out. He had to patch it up. Well, now it looks like it's unpatchable because Giselle, they filed for divorce, and I honestly think ring number eight is en route because you take a look at the NFC, it is wide open. Green Bay don't have a receiver. The Eagles are first. The LA Rams have got the absolute Super Bowl hangover of doom. And then who else? The Giants, the Cowboys, Minnesota Vikings with Kirk, who's allergic to primetime games. Brady's looking around and he's going, man, the NFC has never, ever, ever been easier. And this team is stacked. Don't worry about those games that they were losing. They're going to get healthy. Their O-line's banged up. It feels like every single receiver that they have has been injured or suspended at some stage of season. They brought in Cole Beasley. Two days later, he retired. They're going to get healthy. Leonard Fournette's starting to heat up. Todd Bowles, defensive genius. That defense is going to get better and better. Do not sleep on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady is going to lose a ring to gain one. I think ring number eight is en route. And we're going to finish up with something a bit more lighthearted. It's, a, it's an amazing story. Brian Robinson, anyone that's a big fantasy head in NFL would have had tabs on him. He signed for the Washington Com Washington Commanders, and he had an amazing preseason. They were ready. They, were, they had Antonio Gibson there. They were going to shaft him to special teams. He was going to be the running back that saved the Washington Commanders, and they need saving. Then right before the season, about a week out, he gets his car jacked, and he gets shot in the leg, in the ass, and people were fearing, would he ever play again? Well, guess what? Six weeks later, 
do yourself a favor. Look up Brian Robinson Returns. He comes out to many men. Anyone doesn't know that song? It goes something along the lines of many men wish death upon me. He comes out. Does okay. The commanders stink. Although they're playing my Bears this Friday. So I'm worried about that. They might get a W there. But keep an eye out on Brian Robinson. Honestly, one of the few good moments in sport. He gets shot in the ass and the leg. And six weeks later, he comes back and runs that pigskin into a brick wall. What a machine. If you want to have a little long shot bet, comeback player of the year, I'm telling you, if he, if he just stays healthy, he'll win it. The guy got shot. I know Saquon Barkley's playing unbelievably, but the man got shot. Six weeks later, came back. If he stays on the field, he's getting comeback player of the year. Just to give you guys a little bit of a rundown of what we're going to do, NRL is obviously finished. We try to do all sports, but you know, we are mainly an NRL podcast, but we're going to try and line up some guests for you. Now, it, we, we gave you Karaz. That was great. Alex Twal, but it's so hard to get football players, rugby league players, during the season. Now it's off season. Now it'll be a little bit easier. We've got a big guest lined up next week, Jason Saab. I can't wait to get him on. You know we're going to be asking him who wins in a race, you versus Fox. We're going to speak a little bit about the World Cup. So we'll keep you guys posted. We might do a few more of these when we don't have a guest. I hope you enjoyed it. But then when we do get a guest... Guys, it'll be can't miss podcasting. Until then, enjoy all the sport. Enjoy the Rugby League World Cup as well. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Ciao.